you're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here, we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. I'm so excited today to introduce my guest, Amy McManus, who you may know from Instagram as Camouflage and Balayage, and she is an amazing educator and hairstylist. And we're going to talk all things color and how she got to be the educator that she is today. So welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I've heard so many great things about you through Jen. So I'm thrilled that I got the chance to do this with you today. So thank you. And that is so mutual. I have been kind of stalking your Instagram since Jen made the introduction and your work is unbelievable. And I love your down to earth approach. So I'm really excited to dive in. But before we do, would you mind telling us a little bit about how you got into the industry, your journey as a hairstylist, and what you're doing today. So I have been doing hair for 32 years now. That's a big number. I got into doing hair right out of high school. I I went to a semester of college and realized about three weeks in, this isn't what I wanted to do, and I wanted to do hair. So fast forward 20-something years, and I just, I had my own salon I was crazy busy, but I felt so stuck and burnt out. And I felt like a very below average hairdresser. So I was doing mediocre work because I just was bored. So I kind of ended up shifting gears into balayage because the trend for ombre had just started taking off and I didn't really know what it was. Nobody did. So in my salon, we were a Paul Mitchell focused salon at that point. And so this was around 2016, I think, is when I started learning about balayage. And so, but nobody had education for it. So we just kept hearing about balayage and ombre. And all my stylists were jumping on YouTube to like figure it out right before the clients got there. It's a little scary. And so I just remember thinking, you know, I'm the owner of the salon. I should probably know how to do this. But we had just never heard of it before. Paul Mitchell's education was just block coloring and, you know, those kinds of things. And, and my whole clientele was essentially gray root touch-ups with partial and full foils. So that's what I did all day long. I had, you know, 10, 12, 14 hour days every day I was booked. If I let my clients book for the year, they would book for the year. Like they were, I need to get it every four weeks, my grays, my grays, my grays. So that was my clientele. Um, But I was super bored and uninspired. And in fact, I felt like I wasn't even doing a good job anymore because I just didn't feel creatively challenged. So then, yeah. So when balayage kind of happened for me, I found Guy Tang first and I had never really seen anybody paint before. And I loved when he was surface painting and that like grabbed me so artistically that I was like, what is this? And I need to learn everything about it. And so I just dove head first. And my staff thought I was nuts because they were doing more of like foilage sort of 
that they had never seen surface painting before. And then I started using like a real paintbrush and they were like, what is she doing? <laughs> so it was a bit to, to finally learn what I was doing. Cause like I said, there was no education. So I was just kind of, it was basically trial and error. I would see a beautiful picture on Instagram of like someone's processing picture. And I would just be like, oh, that looks cool. And I would do it, but I didn't know what it was going to create. And then I was like, oh no, she's got strawberry blonde roots now. Like this is terrible. So I had to do a lot of fixing. I mean, I didn't even know what root shadows were. Like I just, I was essentially starting hair over again. And I, I almost forgot everything that I knew. So I was doing crazy things because when Balayage first came out, I was under the assumption we could make everyone's hair white because that's what they wanted, you know? Yeah. So I would see like, oh, just throw a cap full of hundred volume into your <laughs> I Thankfully, I couldn't find it. But I did some really like crazy things to push the envelope because I thought that's what we, that's what other people were doing. And so I finally realized like, no, Balayage is like a really multi-layered service. Like it takes sessions to kind of get to these things. And once I sort of understood that, then I could kind of step back from basically putting atomic bombs on people's heads every single day, trying to get what, but it was, it was tough learning because I didn't have anybody to learn from. So it was all trial and error, a lot of tears, a lot. (laughs) It's so funny. When you're, when you're talking, I'm like vividly transported back to the beginning. And that's when I was coming back from maternity leave. So 2015, 2016, and I'd actually worked for a few years as a rep for a distributor. So I'd been kind of away from the hair game. And then I was off for 18 months with my son. Cause where I lived, there was no childcare to be found Oh yeah, so back into the salon. It was like, I mean, I've talked on the podcast before about like, that was when I really got into Instagram, first of all, but it's also when I also got really into balayage because it was like, I'd stepped away and been, I was feeling the same way that you were feeling like kind of uninspired with, with just, you know, the way that things were in, in the industry. And so I ended up really missing it coming back to behind the chair. And that was in that period where I'm so vividly remembering like, you do a balayage and you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like hopefully this is going to work out because you're right. There wasn't a ton of education and it was just kind of starting. So I feel like we didn't know where to find education outside of our color lines and, you know, our reps and, and our salons. So, oh my goodness, that really does take me back. Yeah. (laughs) So brands weren't hip on it. I don't think brands caught what a giant trend this was going to be and that it wasn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. So I think they, they didn't really set. I mean, I remember we had a Paul Mitchell come into the salon and, and I'm not being mean when I say this, but I say this now from somebody who's fairly seasoned in balayage. She didn't have a clue what she was doing. I didn't know that back then because we didn't have a clue what we were doing, but looking at it now, I mean, they were just like, go do this. And, you know, so like they weren't really the best people to learn from. So it was a, a really hard process to understand what happens. How do you get lift? What is depth? What the heck is a root mouth? How do you do a low light? How do you know where, where do you, where do you put it? How do you know where it goes? Cause I came from the, the world of, you know, foils, two highs, one low. 
you yep. know, what one eye, two loves. And so to me to try to now translate that into surface painting was like, my mind was like exploding daily because I, it was so much to grasp, but then that one moment where you finally get it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, how am I that dumb? How did I not know that? You know, but it, it's like, it's sort of like learning how to drive a stick shift. And they yes. tell you, you'll feel the clutch give and you're like, I don't feel anything because you're in that state of like terror. Yep. Like you just don't want to stall the car out. And then one day you're not so afraid anymore. And then you're like, oh, I felt the clutch give. <laughs> so, and I feel like Balayage was like that. Once you let go of this fear, I was terrified every day because I was like, everyone's going to know. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Everyone's going to know. Everyone's going to know. <laughs> and I ruined so many heads. I mean, it was just awful. I had, I was tucking hair inside my apron when it would come off because we were putting people under the dryer with, you know, 40 volume or higher. Like, what are you doing? And it's like all the laws of color went right out of my brain during that first I would say during that first eight months of learning, it was like I um, the things that you're not supposed to do. <laughs> well, it was such a difference though. Like, cause I, like I got into hair school right after high school too. And my mom's a stylist. So my mom has oh. been a stylist for, like, I literally grew up in a salon. And so the old school ways of like highlighting and coverage and stuff, it's almost like completely counterintuitive. Like you have to unlearn a lot of the things that you knew in order to embrace balayage, I think in a lot of ways. And I know for me, like my go-to at the beginning was I just tried to make everything highlights and then use toner to like, you know, <laughs> just like blend everything out until I yeah. learned what I was doing and really like got confident with balayage. How did this transition into you educating on the topic? Like, what did that look like? And, and did you start educating with a brand or did you, did you get into independent off the jump? I, so when I started my Instagram, I got in right at the right time. Right. So that was when it was so easy to grow. And so I had changed my name on Instagram to camouflage and balayage about four months after I started like really focusing just on my, on as a hair page. Right. And from that point, I think when I started making my my personal Instagram just about hair and I wiped all my personal stuff off and only posted hair, I had like 300 followers. Right. And so by September of that year, so that was like May. So by September, I hit like 1,100 followers and I was like, just so excited, like, holy moly. And then I changed my name. Right. And then once I changed my name, from that September until the end of December, I hit 30,000 followers. Wow. Yeah. So my page blew up faster than my skill did. Right. So it was terrifying because I was getting featured everywhere because I always had one good side. Right. Right. You know, you photograph what you did well, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So if the back came out great, sometimes the sides will be lopsided, but you just don't show the lopsided side. So it was like you show what you did well and then you work on it. And so people started messaging me, you know, I want to learn your technique. And I was like, I have a technique. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to get through this, you know? And so it was at that point, I was getting approached enough by people and, and comments on my photos. Like, you know, are you teaching? I want to learn. And I just thought, oh, if you don't do this, I know you're not ready, but if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. And at that point, I was swimming in debt with my salon. And so the idea of being able to support all the debt that I had 
won out on why I made the decision. So my first three classes, people were very kind to me because I don't think they were good. Uh, I was sort of at that point trying to teach people how to balayage instead of how I balayage. And so, yeah. So once I made that sort of like, oh, well, I don't even do that. Why am I showing it? Then I started shifting gears and I feel like that's when my classes really became more personalized and educational. And so it sort of developed a lot as my skill has developed over the years. And I, and I feel like I haven't, I didn't teach any live classes last year just for, you know, some personal health reasons. But up until that point, I feel like I give an excellent class. Like you come out of there with a lot of knowledge. And so in the beginning, I would be sick to my stomach. <laughs> so nervous. I'm like, oh my God, they're all going to know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And then it would all work out and everybody would come up to like, oh, I had this aha moment. I think, oh good, I'm doing something. <laughs> but it was really scary at first, but I do feel like I've always been that person that wants to help people. And so teaching has always come easy to me in that regard. So I'm not afraid to stand up in front of people as long as I know what I'm talking about. If I don't know what I'm talking about, then it's, then it's scary. So it took a little bit, but but I, I do feel very comfortable standing in front of a group now and explaining what I do. I think I do it in a way that some people, it's so simplistic. And I feel like most people go, oh, I can't believe I didn't, I didn't get that. You know, like I've had some really seasoned stylists that have gotten nominated for all kinds of things and they take my class and, it, and it's just like a stupid little thing, but it's just that one little thing that they didn't feel like they were getting. And, and I was terrified seeing some of them sign up. I was like, oh, please don't come. Like, I don't think you're going to learn anything. These are people that followed before my account got big because I wanted to learn from them. And now they're taking my class. It was, it was just like nuts to try to soak all that in and not be like vomiting every day, worrying about who's going to find it out. You know, it was terrifying. Yeah. That's, there's so many takeaways there. And I, I completely relate. I think if any, any of my listeners who are in the education space, and I know that there are some, I think that pressure to like teach every single thing that we know. And like that, that, that fear that people aren't going to learn something is, I don't think that ever really truly goes away because we're only really capable of looking at it from our own viewpoint, right? Like it's really hard to put yourself back. Like as long as you know that the information that you're teaching is really good and valuable and you're getting people results and wins, a lot of the pressure that we put on ourselves, I think is a little bit like self-created sometimes, you know? Absolutely. I think the thing that really sort of finally like got the rest of my nerves out Mm -hmm. uh, is I finally realized like everybody has something unique to offer. So it doesn't matter if you've been doing hair for two years. I know some stylists who are brand new that are, are incredibly talented. And I know stylists that have been doing hair for 30 and 40 years that still don't know how to formulate. Yep. So if the time behind the chair, it doesn't mean anything. And so when I finally realized Every single person could stand up in front of a class if they wanted to and share something unique that they do, that they learned, that works for them, and somebody else will benefit from it. And so that was a huge moment. That happened at one of my classes. I had a stylist that wasn't well-known yet. She got very well-known shortly later, only because I helped, not because she needed my help, but I helped her 
learn how to use her Instagram. So, but anyway, she came up to me during the class and this was in Poughkeepsie, New York. And she had said to me like, oh, so, you know, I, I teach in balayage too. And I was like, oh, goodness. Now I'm done. You know, like now everyone's going to know. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And so I said, oh my gosh, you know, that's amazing. Can I see your work? So she showed me her page and it was like spectacular. And now, so I finally looked at her and I said, what are you doing here? Like you don't need anything from me. And she said to me, I cannot figure out how you create. And I had this like light bulb moment because I, I really felt at that point, I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't Jamie C. I wasn't Micah. I wasn't all of these people that I thought were incredible artists. And I wanted my work to look just like theirs. And it never did. And so I felt like that made me less than until she said that to me. And I thought, well, I actually created my own lane of something that's a little bit different. I do things a little bit different than everybody else. And it's obviously working for me. So it's okay that my work doesn't look like theirs. I'm me. But I had so many things where I would like put up a photo and I would try to do the finished work. So it looked just like, you know, this one and just like that one. And like, I remember putting one up and Ashley, the blondologist, mm-hmm. I love her work. And I had put up this photo and I was like, oh, that looks just like hers. And I was so proud of it. And it blew up. Like it was gorgeous. But I was proud of it because it looked like hers, not because I did it. Right. So, and so I had this whole thing of always wanting to be what, what other people were doing instead of really seeing what I was capable of. So once I sort of made that shift, mm-hmm. it skyrocketed. It skyrocketed my creativity because I stopped trying to pretend that I needed to be like other people. And so then I started working on my own sectioning and doing my own things. And I came up with my signature balayage after that, that really I felt like set me apart from everybody else because it looks different than everybody else's. So yeah, it was, a, it was a really big moment for me. I feel like I learned more about balayage in forcing myself to teach it than I ever did behind the chair because people ask you questions and I would answer it. And I thought, well, I didn't even know I knew that answer. <laughs> I would hear it come out. I was like, that was really good. Like, but I didn't, but you don't know what you, sometimes you don't even know what's in your head. It gets so clogged up with stuff. So, but the other thing is too, is like, we all punish ourselves, but we don't know what we don't know yet. So this is where I think education is so important. And I think it's so important to learn from so many people because everybody has their own way and it's always going to be a little different, but there's no right or wrong. It's just different in what works for you. Oh man, if you're listening and that's all you take away from this episode, I feel like it's worth it's worth showing up. That's such a beautiful sentiment. And I think it's it's so important because you know at the beginning of your career when you like take a class or something, right? You try to exactly replicate what they did and you try to like, okay, this is the new way I'm gonna do it. But then as you kind of get in back into your routine behind the chair, I feel like what happens as you get more seasoned or as you get more educated, it doesn't necessarily have to be time, like you said, but could just be absorbing education. We almost like customize our own work based off the little things that we learn through education. So I love that you said that it was, you know, through trying to figure out your own style, that's when you became really comfortable because you take all these things that you've learned And then you customize it and you make it your own. And I think that's an industry-wide epidemic that we all get caught up in this comparison trap. And like, 
I see it, I teach predominantly like branding and marketing in my program. And I see it with the stylists that I work with who are like, oh, like this person's doing this. And so I feel like I should be doing this. And, and it's like, you get wrapped up in the fear of like, if that's working for that person and I'm not doing that, like, oh my God, what I'm doing isn't good enough. So thank you for sharing that because I think that, you know, the fact that you've been able to achieve what you've achieved and you've become an icon really in balayage, like, and, and you felt these feelings, I feel like is going to help anyone who might be going through something similar to see that, like, it doesn't mean anything about you just because you're not the same. Doesn't mean you're less than. Exactly. Yes. And that's a really hard trap that I think so many people fall into. And I feel like I'm definitely in that trap too. I'm constantly looking for approval, like, oh, now it looks like hers now, you know? And so like, that was sort of my way of validating myself instead of just saying, no, it's pretty all by itself. It doesn't need to look like her, you know? Absolutely. Well, and I think too, that we all think that everyone on Instagram follows everyone that we follow and they're all sitting there comparing it and like, you know, bringing up your post and someone else's post and be like, oh, this is better here. And this is better here. But if you think about like your actual experience outside of our industry on social media, it's nothing like that. Like I had someone post the other day and I shared a reel about something and someone who was looking for a hairstylist actually commented. And she was like, do you know of any, like, how do I find someone who specializes with curly hair? And like, it's really hard for me to find a stylist who like, you know, specializes in this. Meanwhile, in the Facebook group for my course, I had a stylist being like, I'm a curly hair specialist. And I feel like everyone's a curly hair specialist. And like, what's going to set me apart? And how am I different? So I'm like, the contrast was hilarious because I'm like, you're comparing yourself to all of these people Yet here's like a client who's looking for someone and it wasn't in the same area or anything, but I know the area she was looking in and there's tons of curl specialists. And so not everyone on the internet's comparing you to all the people that are your peers. It's about just connecting with the right ones for you. And I think that's a really big takeaway. As stylists, we follow a bunch of other stylists and we're so heavily involved in the industry that I sometimes think we forget what the goal is. And if your goal is to grow a clientele and like connect with people in your area, they're not going to be comparing you to all the Instagram famous hairstylists that you're following. I mean, that's so true. When people message me and they're like, so I'm, I'm not growing and I'm not this and I'm not that. And I say to them, but what are your goals? Yes. Like, why are you here? Are you busy? Because if you're busy and that's the goal, then you're, you don't have to post every day post once or twice a week, that is there for you to replenish your chair as you lose people, if that's the goal. So, but if you're looking to become Instagram famous and work with brands, then you got to hustle. It's a, that's a whole different mindset. And that's what people don't realize. And so everyone gets so caught up in the number. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the number matters to the brand, but not to clients. Exactly. So what, what is your goal? And then, you know, from there, then sort of map out a plan that works for you. You're right. And it's so dependent on your goals. And like someone who is, you know, a behind the chair stylist looking to grow a clientele versus someone who is, even if you're someone who wants to just be an influencer and work with brands, you're going to have a totally different strategy than someone who's trying to like grow education as an independent. So your goals are really going to dictate. And I think it's honestly 
that is where a lot of people get lost. And then they're like, oh, I'm not growing. But what are you trying to grow? Are you trying to grow your following? Are you for a specific purpose? Are you trying to grow your clientele? Because it's all going to have a completely different approach. So yeah, yeah, that's so important to remember. So can you tell me a little bit about what your what your what your setup is now cuz you teach in person classes but you also have some online education for balayage right i do so when i'm able to do classes and i'm actually hoping i'm going to start them up this spring but i do have an online platform and i keep it really simple so it's just my private instagram page called balayage university so the website i have is more of just a landing page for people to sign up but I just keep it really simple. There's so much education at your fingertips now and everybody learns different. So there'll be people that will have been waiting for me to do live classes again. And so they want to be in person so they can see things up close. And, and other people are like, that's not in my budget. I'd rather, you know, join five different online pages and just kind of bounce around and learn the specific things that they really want to target. So yeah, I feel like there's something for everybody, but the online university is it's a lot more work than I thought it was going to be because I do it all by myself, you know? So I'm filming, I'm editing and I'm doing voiceovers and then I have to upload. And then, you know, I've had a lot of stylists message me lately looking for information. Like, you know, so I was thinking about doing a page, like, you know, do you have any like things that I should know about? I'm like, yeah, there's a lot you should know. It's not easy. You know, there's people that they reach a level that it's so much work, but they can then to bring on other people. So I'm not there yet, but I'm doing okay. I can't complain. So I enjoy it. I think it's so cool too, to have that resource. Cause like, you know how we were talking, like throwing it back to 2016 when we're all kind of Googling and YouTubing how to do things. It's really cool to have that resource in your back pocket where you can go to a private Instagram page and you can learn some tips and tricks. Or maybe if you're you know, when, whenever you get into anything new, or if you just need a refresher or a reminder or a different mindset shift, I love that like bite-sized education when it comes to technique. I think that's a really cool angle and, and something that people can really easily utilize behind the chair. Yeah. I don't know who started the whole, like, oh, start a private Instagram page. It was, it was brilliant. I mean, talk about making education so accessible So for so many people. So yeah, I think it, whoever's original idea it was, I wish I had started it sooner and, you know, kind of worked the kinks out, but I do feel like I have a good flow. I get a lot of good feedback from it. So I can't complain, but it's definitely a lot. I can't work full time behind the chair. I'd love to talk about this a little bit, actually, because I think that there are people that are looking to get into independent education. I think it's a great thing, but there there are some really important things that you do want to know, right? Like for instance, there's a lot of front end work. So I think the term passive gets thrown around a lot and I would not call like I'm full-time in education now. I don't work behind the chair at all anymore. And it is very much a job like anything else. It's a rewarding job and it's amazing. And if you've got something that's like your, your driver is to like share this and you're passionate about it and you want to like elevate the industry. So, so, so worth it, but definitely not something to get into for the quick cash. <laughs> no. Well, that was one of the reasons that I didn't want to set up a, like a full website, you know, cause it's so much money up front. So most people were launching websites right around like mid COVID, like that first, you know, I felt like I saw tons of websites being launched like June, July of 2020. 
And I was like, I think I'm going to not do that. I just was terrified. I'm not great at marketing myself. So I was nervous. What if I spend $20,000 on a website and nobody cares? Now I'm just out $20,000 and I I have to sell $20,000 worth of videos before I even break even. And never mind the monthly costs of running a website. So for me, keeping it low key, which is really more my style anyway, you know, so I I didn't want to get into having all these individual videos for sale. I felt like that really wasn't my speed. I'm not opposed to doing them. And it's something that I hope to grow into. Like, I think sort of my next goal is coming up with like a certification program. Uh, Yeah. So I had a girl that I was working with through Kajabi to try to help me build all this. And she just like literally bailed and decided to go run around the world. And I, I, she never even said anything. She just stopped messaging me. Oh my God. I haven't been able to find anybody to replace her, but we had all of these amazing things that we were going to set into motion. But then I got really ill and I was like, well, we'll just leave it for now. So now that I'm back again, I definitely want to get the ball rolling because we had so many really great things that I think people would love to do. I mean, I know more people ask me like, well, do you have a certificate for your university? And I said, well, no, because it's just ongoing education. So there's no end to it. You just decide when you're done with me. So I'd like to actually set up an actual like step-by-step, like each week, this is what you need to complete. And once you're done, yeah, then now this is, you're certified in what I do. And so I know that means a lot to people because I get asked a lot. So it's definitely something I'd like to grow into, but I just don't have a clue. I'm so bad at that stuff. So I try to keep it as simple and low key. I live in the woods. (laughs) It is so hard to get stuff done. Like it's challenging, but I definitely... I don't have a lot of tools, so I definitely rely on finding the right people to help me. I really appreciate the transparency, honestly. I feel like it's really refreshing to hear such a real take on what it's actually like to be in the space of online education and also that it's completely different for everyone. So do you have any advice for a stylist if they're listening and they're like, oh, I really want to get into education because I love the industry and I, I love the fact that we have accessibility for people to start, but there's so much to consider as well. So I feel like it's a very nuanced conversation. And do you have anything that you would say to someone who's looking to get into education? Well, I I guess I, I would say if you're looking to just sort of dabble in it, mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, I guess the thing that you're, you're good at the most, I would concentrate on do all things color. So I have a lot of formulations. I'm actually like filming a red series right now for people on red formulation. So I feel like if there's a lot of nuances to what you do, then you're going to attract a lot of different kinds of stylists, which will help grow your education platform. But I feel like for most of us, we all got pigeonholed into this one thing that we're good at. And so there's people that won't join my university because they think I only do balayage. Right. So, so I, I was like, okay, so I worked on it for a while and I came up with my signature foilage to copy my balayage. If you don't balayage, you know, so there, but so I, I've been trying to talk about it more because I, I've been really focusing more on foilage because I feel like by and large, there are so many people that want nothing to do with balayage. They love the look, but they'd like to do foils. It's safer and they, and they like the way it looks. They have more tunnel control. And I get that, but I, because it's in my name, I can't get people past the fact that, right. that I, I actually know a little bit more than just that. <laughs> Where does the camouflage come from? I'm super curious about that. Oh my gosh. It was, 
when I, I got married, so I'm, I'm 50 now. Holy moly. So I got married to my husband when I was 38. So I've only been married to him. So I, I waited a really long time. Before I met him, I was single for quite a few years, had my own house and everything was like, you know, David Yerman, like, like I always had it set up like a little apartment. So I meet my husband and he's a country bumpkin hunter, outside guy, you know, a man's man. And yeah. I've always loved camouflage. Like I always bought like Donna Karen camouflage, not like, you know, real tree. So when I met him, I started going out with him and sitting in trees and stuff. And so all my friends thought it was hysterical. All my clients thought it was hysterical. And I really wasn't a high maintenance looking girl, but I liked nice things. I identified because I always felt like I was just a hairdresser. So I always felt like if people saw that I was successful, then that would make me less illusory to them. So I, I spent a lot of my 20s and 30s pretending to be something that I really wasn't. So when I, when I met him, I kind of felt more like myself than I've ever felt. So I was able to let go of all the stuff. So we live in the woods now. We're going to get goats and chickens and I love it. So yeah, so that's, so he was big into camo because, so anytime anybody saw something at like Home Depot or whatever, and they were like, oh, I saw this thing and it had, it was camouflaged with a deer on it. And I thought of you. Oh, so I came up with my name. I wanted something that I felt like people would remember me by. So people that knew me and it just so happened to rhyme. So yeah. it worked really well. So now it's like, it's so, you know, this is where you can tell branding has really worked is yeah. he watches hunting shows all the time. And every time somebody in the show says the word camouflage, I pick my head up. Does someone just call me? Because that's what people call me. I mean, I think it's a stupid thing to call me, but that's what they call me. So they don't know my name. So they just call me Camo. So most people are like, oh, I, you know, they'll call me Lisa. I'm like, well, my name's actually Amy. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I always just call you Camo to my husband. Like whenever I see a new picture or whenever and I'm like, oh, that's Camo's picture. And I think that's hysterical, but I've identified with it so much now that it's actually become like a part of my, of who I am, which is so strange, but I picked up on that about three years ago and I was like, wow, I really embraced this whole, like, that's your name kind of thing. And I, somebody had suggested changing it to just my name when I was looking at working with like a coach and she's like, well, we'll think about it. And I said, geez, I don't know if I'm super comfortable letting that go. Like Amy McManus doesn't roll off the tongue. No one remembers it. But usually once you hear it once, you don't even have to remember the whole thing. If you just remember camo and you look me up, you'll find me very quickly. So it worked to my benefit because everybody can remember at least they don't know how to spell camouflage, but C-A-M-O is all you got. And that's all you need. <laughs> I am so glad I asked this question because <laughs> like, I feel like it's so many points and I love that you infused something that has nothing to do with hair into your name because people so often with branding, they're so scared to just be like themselves. You know what I mean? And so I'm so glad you shared that. That's that's fantastic. Well, I think it's funny because people will message me now for appointments and they're like, I'd like to make an appointment for the camouflage and body. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's actually just my name. That's not like a technique. <laughs> You're in. Perfect. <laughs> so I get that a lot. When I first started happening, I was like, what is going on? And why are people not getting this? So yeah, so that's what we do now is we make appointments for the camouflage and body. Yeah. <laughs> package name. Oh, I love that. 
Thank you so much for coming on, Amy. I feel like this has been such an amazing, uplifting conversation. And tell my listeners where they can go to find out more about you and anything that you want to, anything you want to share. Well, they can find me on Instagram at my Instagram handle is Camouflage and Balayage. If you're interested in my education, it is Balayage University. So I have a link on both pages for the bio so you can find it easily. But yeah, that's that's pretty much where I am all the time. <laughs> Well, this has been so much fun. Such a great conversation. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to to have me come on. So it was a lot of fun to talk to you. You're just an amazing woman. So I'd love to come back and chat again. We have a lot to talk about, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. And the feeling is so mutual. You can come back anytime you want. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Hairstylist Rising or at It's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.